Hey there, folks, and welcome back to the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow Greg at xmaserati, um, at Social Suplex for the network. All our other great shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, check those out, including 8-Bit Suplex, One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, All Things Elite, a Great Match Generator, Formerly Ricky and Clive, we do miss them very much. Um, have I have I missed anyone? Uh, I feel like I have. You're just listing all the shows? Yes, yeah. You're doing it at the beginning of the show. May as well do it at the beginning, right? Uh, One Nation Radio, mm-hmm. All Things Elite, Great Match Generator, Keeping a Strong Style, 8-Bit Suplex. That's it. It feels like, to me, it just feels like we're missing one. Grown men watch this? Yes, grown men watch this shit. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> there we go, that's all of them. Check those great shows out, they have solo feeds, but we also have the mega feed, the Social Suplex Podcast Network feed, where you can get all those shows. We have our own solo feed, the Grave Consequences Podcast. Maybe that's how you listen to this episode, which we recorded on Tuesday, June 29th, uh, so for posterity, if I make any references that sound dated by about two weeks, it's because they are. Um, <laughs> you know, I make dated references when talking about a show that aired six years ago, of course. And there's some uh, timely things I'm going to bring up in this show, too, mm-hmm. about a, a debuting character, because I googled it to make sure I wasn't mistaking him for a different wrestler. But uh, yeah, so I think that comes into play not just in what you do, but the show in general, just because it is like, but 2016 it aired. Uh, yes, I do believe so. Yeah, it was like five years ago. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. That is a long time for sure. And speaking of a long time, how about forever? Because in our in the um, the preamble to the show, we see a recap of the hell, whole. El, El Dragon Azteca storyline, including his death. And at one point, he's quoted as saying, I may die, but Dragon Azteca will live forever. And we will see throughout the episode how that comes true, what that means, that sort of thing. But a good, interesting way to, uh, you know, kind of tease us at the beginning of the show. Yeah, it's something that took a whole season to generate for this yes. For this to come to fruition. And it, it was one of the weaker storylines. Of the season. Uh, and I do think it affects. What it. What comes of it. For me personally as a viewer. And we'll no. see if. We'll see if my opinion changes. Because I we I was. You know I'll go on the record. I was wrong about. Uh, Alberto El Patron and, and Johnny Mundo's feud. Uh, we both took a turn with Hernandez. Like we. we I don't know. We wanted to hate him but. He was one of our favorite parts of uh, season one. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. We can be proven wrong and, you know, we can be proven strong. And, you know, who was proven strong was Prince Puma, who was in the back doing bicep curls when when Pentagon Jr. showed up and confronted him. And apparently these two are going to tag together tonight. Yeah, they were trying to do a storyline of, you know, the constant, the the old storyline of two rivals having to join forces to take on another team. Will they be able to, will they be cohesive enough to win? Yada, yada. It's not, it's not a new storyline. Uh, and it's, you know, I guess since Mill has a broken arm, I mean, they can't challenge him. So I, I think, 
I kind of think Eddie was right about the broken arm thing. At the time, it was really cool when Penta broke his arm, but and maybe they did it for maybe he was injured in real life and they had to you know buy some time. But uh, it kind of does force us into this you know hero versus hero situation, which and Penta's not even a hero; he's just a fan favorite. But um, I don't know these these kind of storylines can be kind of for for long-time wrestling fans it could be kind of paint by numbers i guess yeah i was gonna say throw it in the bin i've seen it before that kind of thing and um, it could be great like ross uh austin and rock was always great to watch them fight each other yeah. when they got put on the same team but this i mean my favorite part about this whole confrontation and maybe you picked it up but they added a puma growl when puma got into pentagon's face yes they did they did it was it was you know what i appreciate that because uh, they do keep that like almost like a B movie feel of the show where they just like, you know what? And they'll do something else that I love. And I I know you, you would probably love it too with Johnny Mundo later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is an added effect. That's amazing. Yeah. But you know, you mentioned your favorite thing in the segment, my least favorite thing as someone who enjoys going to the gym and knows proper gym etiquette was when Prince Puma decided to throw his dumbbells down. It's like, that's rude, man. It's awful. Have you ever been to a, a, is it a Planet Fitness? Is that the purple Planet and yellow? Fit- yeah, Planet Fitness is the sissy the sissy gym. Dude, they like if you make any sound of the weights, which is like if you've been using weights for a while, and I'm not people if they know what I look like, I'm five six, I'm not a very big guy. But if you lift any weights and you try to put them down, they make noise. And that yeah. they have that stupid alarm that goes off. Yes. This is the dumbest gym. I, I went there for a little bit and I only used their elliptical and they would get like pizza for people and it's like what are you doing like <laughs> trying to keep customers or trying to uh oh it's like when a pharmaceutical company t- treats the symptom and not the uh or treats the side effect and not the symptom when everyone works there is out of shape and it's okay to like not want to work on your body like it's it's your choice but like you know you work at a gym yeah exactly right. have some pride Sorry if that upsets anybody, but where I stand. No, I mean, if you're if you're illiterate, you shouldn't be an author. Yes, you're absolutely right. Speaking of illiterate, we are introduced to our commentary team of Matt Stryker <laughs> Vampiro. And not much to report here, but Matt Stryker, you know, being a good journalist, he said, like, hey, did you order Pentagon to break the arm? And Vampiro was just, like, insulted. I, I, you know, going back, I don't remember, or I started to remember that uh, Vampiro is going to do this thing where he pretends to not know things, or he's yeah. crazy, and you don't know which is which, and I don't remember it really paying off in a great way, or me buying it, or they, Vampiro does some weird mind games that only interest people that, I don't know. Yeah, Vampiro seemed insulted because he's an ass clown. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it's it's like we know you're the the, the master. So it, it, I think they're trying to say that he's crazy and that's fine and all. But uh, it, this is like the kind of people that have like, don't mess with me. I'm crazy. shirts like with Looney Tunes characters on it. And they think that's funny. That's the kind of person that likes this stuff. <laughs> Everyone else is like, OK, whatever. They roll their eyes because it's corny. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. But you know what wasn't corny? The first match of the evening, because for the first time in season two, we see Johnny Mundo and we see his opponent, Killshot, which I mean, 
think about it. If they ran week by week, John Morrison versus Killshot, or you know any other number of Lucha Underground alumni against each other, like they just ran John Morrison and Ricochet, for example, people would be a lot more interested in Raw. I would agree. I I didn't see it, but I mean, I don't know how Johnny Mundo is doing now, but this uh, this is some of his best work. And Killshot was on point this whole match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, and Vampiro says like he's like you know I'm actually I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm a fan of Johnny Mundo, and he's like. He's arrogant, he's cocky, and it's like, dude, you said that's why you hated him last season. Yeah, he's he's an announcer that, and they have to play heel. It's it's almost like on uh, WWE where a guy has to just, you ever, uh, and I haven't watched in a while, but you know like when a heel commentator just agrees with everything the heel does, even mm-hmm. if it flip-flops the next week? Yeah. And that is a good way to generate heat. It can be. Uh, but with Vampiro, it's not because of that. It's just because he just says whatever yeah no you're exactly right but i've always found i'm okay with it with heels because heels are aren't necessarily supposed to be logical Mm -hmm. but like when babyface commentators will do it or they'll be blatantly hypocritical it's like that's when it gets irritating and lucha underground doesn't really do that but like wwe was guilty of that for a long time and some would say they still are but you know it's just something that uh was brought to my mind with me mentioning the Vampiro thing because God, uh, Vampiro, I Vampiro is not nearly as good as I remembered him being. Yeah, this is. I mean, maybe we'll change our tune as a, as the series goes on, but I don't think so. I think his better work was actually in season one. Yeah, what a shame. Yeah, I uh, mean, he doesn't really add much, and he just disappears sometimes. And he's going to say, Stryker's going to confront him. And he's just kind of, I think he does it a few times where he's just like, back off, Matt. He just yells at him. And it's like, okay, this isn't very interesting because I'm paying attention to the match. And you're having this very subtle side story that really has no payoff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, I mean, if there was one word to describe both of the guys in this match, it'd be athlete, quite frankly. Because... Johnny Mundo at one point nails a standing C4. Yes, that was pretty crazy. Because he didn't even run that far to do it. He kind of just walked up to him and did it. Exactly. That's what's insane. Like, it's cool when Ali does it from the top rope, but Mm -hmm. doing it standing? Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. It's ridiculous. Oh, by the way, Killshot actually nailed an SSP for two, but the crowd actually, like, bit on the near fall and they wanted the win so bad dude they were chanting that was three mm-hmm. for a little bit they were holding up three fingers and they were saying that was three it was a very close 2.9 seconds yes you're absolutely right but the finish came when you know they were you know trading strikes and all of a sudden johnny mundo accidentally maybe not bumps into rick knox rick knox is down kill shot ducks something jumps over johnny mundo right into a kick in the dick yeah, and then Johnny Mundo is able to capitalize with the end of the world, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's kind of growing on me as a finisher. Like, I, I know I've seen this series before, but it's kind of a really cool finisher. It's, it reminds me of uh, Sabu's. Was it Sabu or, John, or uh, RVD that did the um, uh, split-legged uh, Arabian moonsault? I Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels does that too, doesn't he? Or he used mm-hmm. to. Maybe, maybe. But I I was never really a fan of End of the World or Starship Pain. They're the same move. 
uh, just because he never really hits it on anyone. Hmm. But, I mean, he seemed to hit it pretty crisp here, but, like, when he would do it in WWE during the first run, like, he would never, like, hit it even remotely flush on anyone. Hmm. But... I, I wasn't watching, so I can't say. But they did do a good job of, like, they made it look like Killshot had this one, and he did. Like, it was yeah. a really close three count. And he was, and it was such a big spot. Like, it it, it was, like, almost like a climax of, like, a main event match. That's how much... uh the crowd was into it. That's how much pressure was into it. And that's how awesome it was. So mm-hmm. when Johnny Mundo cheats to win, he come, and I know I'm a broken record, but kill shot doesn't look weak. No, you're exactly right. Thing with this show, winners and losers, they don't, you don't lose a match and look weak generally in Lucha underground, unless it's by design, unless it's a squash match, you know? And unfortunately I think some of that changes in the later seasons. Cause I remember being upset with some of the finishes. Hmm. But I think those are the later seasons. And it was kind of a... This is when everyone was kind of seeing the writing on the walls. Fair enough, fair enough. Season two doesn't really have that issue, I I believe. We'll see. Well, after Johnny Mundo won, he gets Pedro Chance. And uh, he decides to grab a microphone. And he calls out the, uh, the sitting champion. Notice I said sitting. The sitting Lucha Underground champion, Mil Muertes. And then all of a sudden we hear Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. And I'm like, who the hell is it? And it's Brian Cage, out of all people. Just babyface out of nowhere. Last time we saw him, he was curb stomping a black guy through a cinder block, but whatever. Um, he's standing among the believers and he calls out Johnny and he says, you know what, when I'm done, you know, I'm, I'm taking you on, Mill, and I'm going to break you in half. Because I'm not a man. I'm a machine. And that really pissed off Johnny Mundo. And Cage pointed out, although it is a bit, you know, you're leaving out a pretty important detail when you say this, but Cage points out, he's like, hey, you know, I last time we got in the ring, I whooped your ass. Which, I mean, technically you're not wrong, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't remember their last match. You know my memory. So uh, I, I kind of just believed them. If I remember, oh, okay, here's what it was. it was Johnny Mundo versus Brian Cage. If Brian Cage won, he would get to face Puma in a non title match, I do believe. Mm. And uh, so the match ended in a DQ when King Cuerno interfered. Or, no, 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 when Cage got DQ'd for whatever reason, I can't remember exactly. And then King Cuerno, who's starting his feud with Johnny at the time, came in, beat the crap out of Johnny, took out his knee. And that's when Dario Cueto came out and said, like, hey, we can't have this night end on a DQ. Let's restart the match. No DQ. Oh, he <laughs> waited <laughs> until he's already gotten attacked by yeah, Cuerno. When Mundo was one-legged. Yeah, and then that that's when Cage won. Yeah. I mean, Cage is still believable. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, Cage, he asks for the fight. He, he gets in the ring with Mundo. And Mundo powders in fear. Like, he is scared. He's much better on the mic as a heel, though, because he's like, yeah, 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 you're a man, man, you're a machine, blah, blah, blah. And I actually kind of laughed at that. Yeah, it popped me for sure, yeah. I, like, it, it, okay, it struck me as like, okay, Mundo is irritated. He, pardon me, he's annoyed, but he's also pissed because mm-hmm. of how, what he said. 
Yeah, he's. I think he's so much better as a, as a heel, and he's one of my favorite characters on the show. Bar none. Yeah. So Mundo powders, but then Mundo tries to sneak in on Cage, and it doesn't work. No. Cage stands tall to end the segment, which, to be fair to Johnny Mundo, which he doesn't necessarily deserve it because he's a jerk, but to be fair to him, he did just wrestle Killshot in a in a full on match, and like he wasn't exactly fresh at the time, whereas Cage was, you know. Yeah, and this may be one of those things where the logic is that he wasn't fresh, like you said, but it still makes Cage look strong because he basically squashed Mundo. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mundo is the heel. I mean, you could argue that, like, well, it was just his moment. You just made Mundo look like a winner, not strong, but like a winner. Uh, So now you're making him look like a loser. It's almost like you're just putting the perception in your head that that – Mundo can't win against Cage, and they might be doing that because I don't remember the uh, the outcome of the match. Just so that it's more surprising if Mundo wins the next time they fight, mm. like classic wrestling, you know, psychology. Absolutely. Like, do you remember when the Hardys fought the the Bucks in? I think it was a Ring of Honor. Uh, I remember the Hardys abruptly, like impromptu, fighting them to win the belts and then losing them to them, like right before WrestleMania. Yes. So, like, the logic is they weren't fresh. Of course, they beat them. But it still makes the Hardys look like it. They mean they take the belts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Sexy Star in some room, and Marty the Moth is laughing at her. And Marty brought her a butterfly. Which looked a lot like a moth, but... (laughs) Really, really did. Sexy Star is still clearly scared. And did you notice, and this will come into a storyline later on, did you notice Marty was kind of dressed like he was going on a boat trip? Yeah, they they will start to explain uh, how Marty's there. Because the first season, they just made him seem like a crazy fan. Yeah. But you're going to find Marty's out why he's still there. More of a, he gets more of a backstory throughout the series. Yeah. and I wouldn't even say it's a ret, uh, recon or retcon. Yeah. I, I would just say that they add more to explain like how he stuck around. Because he didn't have a great winning, you know, record. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're talking about a guy who failed to qualify for the uh, Gift of the Gods in three matches last season. And I think he lost. He cha- he went to challenge Sexy after she won a yeah, match. She, she rolled him up in like a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's not a winner. Right? No, no, absolutely not. But uh, Marty says, like, hey, you know, you're going to the temple pretty soon. It's almost time for your return. So says my sister. But you're not coming alone. We're going to come with you. So that'll be interesting to find out who Marty's sister is, you know. Should be very interesting. Mm -hmm. She is a very um, well-respected women's wrestler. I will say that much. Yes, she was in TNA for a while and she was great. She was. Yes, she was. So we see a vignette for a wolf. A dare wolf. Such an awful name. It's fucking terrible. PJ Black. The former Justin Gabriel in WWE and the Nexus for what it's worth. And his his vignette is all about being extreme, a biker. Yeah. Uh, not a uh, chopper biker, but like a crotch rocket biker, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just being extreme. And, and unfortunately for him, I think this is a gimmick because it does fit his personality. And I did 
this is the guy I was Googling earlier. He got injured so bad base jumping, he was told he could never wrestle again. Yeah. He lost, he lost the tip of his finger. Like, this is a guy that is extreme. He does extreme sports. He mm-hmm. he likes the adventure. Uh, and that they, they try to play it up in this in this angle, but I think in 2016, 2017, the whole extreme uh, sports was not as... Uh, no. Fi- and even if it's legitimate, uh, I think it was one of those things where people were sick of it. And if you... Yeah. It was it, it was too it was not the right time. He was like a, no. five years too late. This no, he was like ten years too late, maybe even fifteen. Like this would have been great in like early aughts WWE, like post attitude era, like two thousand three, two thousand four. This would have been perfect for that timeline, but not twenty sixteen. You're right. Yeah, it was it was the early two thousands where that was really the thing. I mean they even made but, fun of it in, in uh Harold and Kumar, the first one. You, you may not remember it, but because you know you're a little bit older than I am, but you mentioned the gimmick, and it reminds me of this Disney Channel movie called Brink. That this, this dude rollerblading, extreme sport, and this whole thing, Point Break for kids without the crime. That's what it, yeah. That it's reminds- how many people on the show are going to be, but and, and I guess it had to be something like this because you know, Son of Havoc's a he's a chopper biker technically. I think that's his yeah. his whole crew. But like the Darewolf, I mean, he's what is he from the Netherlands or is he from Australia? No, he's South Africa, South Africa. Uh, You know, maybe the stuff he's maybe Darewolf is a cool nickname in South Africa. I don't know, but not here. No, around here, it's just a shitty pun. Yeah. And and he I don't want to jump ahead too much, but in the match, he starts doing some howling. And uh, <laughs> your reaction is pretty much my reaction. It was just the roll of the eyes and, you know. <sighs> well, speaking of PJ Black, we get his debut, but he is facing the Mac. He's back to respectable pop. And, oh, my God. Matt Stryker described PJ Black as a daredevil and werewolf crossover, which, of course, darewolf, whatever. This match was this match was very good, but I was just just rolling my eyes at commentary pretty much this whole time. That even like, by the way, in one fell swoop, the Mac landed a Samoan drop. He kipped up and then did a standing moonsault, all in like the span of like twenty seconds. There were some great hot spots, hot spots, high spots in this match, and I think the whole time Vampiro and Matt Striker were making a play on names. Because Stryker kept calling PJ Black Black, and he was like hesitant. And then Vampiro was like, "Why don't you just call him the Darewolf? You know, because you're struggling here, and I'm trying to save you." And it may have been funny, but uh, it was just annoying. I felt, yeah, because they weren't yeah. doing many play by play calls. I mean, they were, they were, but it was just. I, guess, I think they were trying to be punny, you know, yeah. funny, and, and, and while while a, while a very athletic match is going on inside the ring. Yeah, that's usually something you do for a comedic act. You know, it's usually part of it. And this guy's trying to debut. Yeah, I can't talk. He's trying to debut, right? Yeah. And I don't. That's not helping him. <laughs> no. No. Um, by the way, PJ Black landed, and normally it's like okay, whatever. But like Willie Mac's a big guy, so for PJ Black to land a pretty clean blue thunder bomb for two, very impressive. Yeah, we've seen people struggle for lighter people, so. Yeah. I mean, he is a big dude. 
No, he is. Absolutely. He's a big dude. He can move around like a small dude, but he is big. No, you know, no, no two ways about it. That's for he, sure. He's not tall and lanky. He's stocky and, and wide. So it was probably even harder. Yeah. Like I said, uh, basically like Prince Fielder. Um, <clears throat> PJ Black, the finish comes when PJ Black goes up top. He gets caught with a stunner from the Mac and the Mac gets the win. And I just want to jump into that finish because he st- he gets on the top turnbuckle and just like looks around yeah. for the most ridiculous amount of time <laughs> it, where it was just like, dude, you got to like, like it's not, it wasn't even like he was doing a cool pose or anything cool. He was just yeah. looking around that it's like smiling and it's like, yo bro. Like, I mean, you're, you're about to lose this match because this is the dumbest shit I've, and he does, he dives and Matt catches him with a cut with a uh, stunner, an mm-hmm. ace crusher, not an RKO, but like an ace crusher as he comes down. So it, like a TKO. So if it were real, he'd probably like have his jaw broken in like as many spots as Kanye did when he was in the car accident. So thank God it's fake. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But a very good match, a sad debuting loss for PJ Black. But, you know, maybe he can rebound. Next up, though, we see a vignette for someone who I can only describe as a female Sub-Zero. She is a snake. Her name is Cobra Moon, and she strikes next week. A lot of debuts on this episode. A lot. Yeah. So we've alluded to Marty's sister. We have uh, seen Cobra Moon. Uh, PJ Black. Supposedly El Dragon Azteca lives forever, so we'll see where that goes. And maybe there's something else that might that I might talk about at the end of the episode. But let's go into our main event, which, by the way, I, I'm going to be honest, I really fucking hated. Uh, Prince Puma and Pentagon Jr. against the Disciples of Death. I didn't hate it so much as much as it was hard for me to get through. Yeah. Um, I was pressed for time to watch this in the show that I was on your podcast for with Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I prioritized Lucha Underground. <laughs> yes. And it's just this match. I mean, I guess you were right about the uh, what they call the disciples of death. They're just not entertaining. No, they're boring as hell to me. And maybe you remember the match. Maybe you don't. This was like one of the first episodes of Lucha Underground. Mundo and Puma had an uneasy partnership. So they and they were both baby faces at the time. So they tagged together against the crew. They're more entertaining. I was going to say the crew is more entertaining. This was like a lame version of that match. And they're supposed to be lame. Yeah. So this is kind of like, because they're bullies. So like, they'll beat you up and they'll cheat and they'll, like, they'll punch your grandma. Like, the disciples of death are just, there's really not, there's nothing to them. They're, they're Undertaker lackeys. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to them. No. And they do their spots and they're fine, but it's a nothing match. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, Because the story is if they will get along, Pentagon and, and, and Puma. Yeah, and you could do this with literally anyone, but you're like, oh, we got to do it with the trio's champions because they're connected to Mill. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you've booked these guys to be intentionally boring, but whatever. I can book a better match without the disciples. You have Puma and Pentagon versus Cage, Cuerno, and Mundo. I know Mundo fought earlier but you could replace him with someone else like you know what i mean like those three guys or even cage corno i would do i would do puma and penta against cage and mundo there you go uneasy you know strange bedfellows across the board yep 
I was trying too hard to put a third person in there. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's is is there's no because they're they're like putties from Power Ranger, right? They're foot soldiers from Ninja Turtles. Uh, if you kill a bunch of them, no one cares because they're not human. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing there's nothing on the line for them really yet. No, you're absolutely right. Like there's nothing to sink your teeth into with these guys because they're intentionally booked to be as soulless as possible. And you can have foot soldiers, putties, you can have that in a, in a movie like where they're just, you know, the you got the Lord of Ring character is going through h- hordes of orcs. You know, you can have the cannon fodder for the heroes to go through, but they but they give them their spots, they're not squashed, they're just and their stamina, I know it's what bothers you is like you can you can beat them down but they get back up like yeah. You know, the undead practically, but um it's only interesting for so long, I think. I think you're right. The most interesting interesting thing about this match is that Prince Puma nailed the 630, but Pentagon stole the win. You still there? Yeah, I'm still there. No, I was saying that uh, Pentagon stole the win from Prince Puma after he nailed the 630 mm. to further the animo- animosity between Puma and Pentagon. Yeah, Pentagon's being, he's a hes a fan favorite, but he is a super dick. Yeah. Uh, and in Lucha Underground, like he, that's why him and Vampiro get along character wise is, you know, Pentagon is not a good guy. Mm-hmm. At, no, by any means. You're absolutely right. And that animosity continues after the match because, you know, they kind of face off. And I believe Puma kind of starts to leave when Pentagon hits the lung blower on Prince Puma and he's going to go for the arm break. And he almost had it. Yeah. He, by all means, he should have had it, but he, you know, spent too much time looking at Vampiro, like looking for approval or something. And Vampiro didn't really give him anything. And then he nearly had the arm break. Prince Puma narrowly avoids it. He breaks out. Pentagon ends up powdering. You know, they, you know, they're pointing at each other. Puma, uh, Pentagon is outside of the ring. And that's all we get inside the temple this week. But before we go, we hear a voice of someone talking to the man who would take on the El Dragon Azteca mask. The man now known as El Dragon Azteca Jr. Because, as stated earlier, El Dragon Azteca will live forever. And that voice, as soon as he said one word, I immediately clocked because he's got a very distinctive voice. Who was the man talking to Dragon Azteca Jr.? You want me to tell the audience? Yeah, absolutely I do. Yeah, uh, Rey Mysterio has that very gravelly type of voice. Like he's, you know, smoked a lot of cigarettes. Yeah. Like a lot. Like he's someone that the Newports, he can't even feel the the nicotine. Like he needs like pure tobacco. Like that's his voice. It's very <laughs> gravelly. I mean, it's a cool voice though. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's distinct for a, for a guy that's like what five three. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about five three, but he's definitely short. That's for sure. Um, pretty sure he's short. He's shorter than me. Mm, that, you may be right, but I can't say either way. But man, you know. Mysterio says, like, hey, you know, I was supposed to be Dragon Azteca's heir, but, like, I chose another path. Now it's you. You get your mask, but I like mine. 
the cut to his mask. He's got the cross on it and everything, the bedazzled cross. Just beautiful. Rey Mysterio's masks are always amazing. He's 5'4". He wears, apparently he puts uh, heights in his shoes. That, or lifts. that does not surprise me. <laughs> but man, we had a Buku of debuts this week. We had, like I said, we had, come on here, Cobra Moon. We were we alluded to Marty the Moth's sister, whose mm-hmm. name I will not give away right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cobra Moon, Marty's sister, El Dragon Azteca Jr., PJ mm-hmm. Black, and last but definitely not least, Rey Mysterio Jr. Yep. Like, this was a huge get for the Temple. The biggest get probably in series history. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think he was definitively the biggest get they ever had the closest they had was uh, alberto but he was only there for one season so yeah and uh someone else that comes later but like uh he's doing better in aew right now than he did in uh even though i did like him at the end you can tell me later because i can't think of that person right now but Mm -hmm. hey folks uh thank you for listening and um Jesus Christ, if any of you ever try to make me suffer through a Disciples of Death match, there will only be grave consequences. <laughs>